right, Merry Easter to you all. Michael told me that I'll um, invite me to speak. He said, yeah, I want you to speak on the week of Christmas. If you could give an Easter sermon, that would be great. I was like, okay, let's do it. So yeah, it sounds like you guys have been going through the story of God and are landing on the Easter story. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke. We're going to go to the back of Luke. Luke 24, verses 1 through 12. All right, I'll read this, then I'll pray, and then we'll spend some more time in it. Luke 24, verses 1 through 12. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you, while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. In returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. Jesus, uh, we thank you so much for uh, this story. Uh, we thank you for these words that we are reading right now. And we, we marvel at the wonder of these words, that, that the tomb was found empty, uh, that Jesus is not among the dead. He is among the living, because he has risen. Um, we thank you for this beautiful story, and we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, I think it's fitting to talk about the resurrection and the week of Christmas, because the reason Jesus came, and the reason we have Christmas, that God came in the flesh, was born a baby, and, and the Christmas story was so that Jesus could live our life, die our death, and then rise again. Uh, and so this really is the climax of the Christmas story. It doesn't end with the Christmas story, but moves to here. Um, there's a lot, of, a lot of ways you can preach an Easter sermon, a lot of things that we could focus on. Um, <clears throat> but I want us to spend some time on this sentence he is not here, but has risen. He is not here, but has risen. And to ponder and explore together that if this is true, if this is true, what, what would that mean for us? Um, I, I'm not going to do an apologetical sermon on all the reasons why we can believe the resurrection. But I did want to point out one that often gets um, looked over. Uh, when you do hear all, all the evidences of resurrection sermons um, are proof. And there, there is a lot of good reasons to uh, good analytical, historical, 
scientific reasons believe the resurrection. Uh, I want to share just one quick biblical one that I find interesting and sticks out to me. If you go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This is a, a famous passage on the resurrection. Um, this is written by a pastor, church planter, Bible writer named Paul. Um, and he's writing to the church in Corinth, the city of Corinth. And let's just read it. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. So what Paul is saying, he's saying, look, the resurrection is real. Jesus was really crucified, really died, really buried. Three days later, really rose again, and he really appeared to people. And he's saying, he's writing this as an eyewitness. He's saying, I'm an eyewitness. But he says, there's other eyewitnesses too. You can talk to Peter. You can talk to the other 11. And they were also eyewitnesses. But then he, he says this. He, he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. Appeared to more than 500. And catch this. Most of whom are still alive. So what is he saying here? He's saying like, look, if you don't believe me, go ask one of these 500. This is a very bold thing to put in writing if it's not true. Right? If it's not true. If there isn't this crew of people that you can go ask who most are still alive. Right? If you one thing, if it was like, oh yeah, a ton of people saw him. Most of those people are dead though, so you, you can't verify. Right? But there are a couple. Maybe you could get to him. No, he's saying they, they, he appeared to over 500. There are, I'm an eyewitness. These apostles you know of are eyewitnesses. Plus he appeared to over 500 Brothers, um, so I, I've just have always found that a compelling passage that he's writing about eyewitness account, testifying to other eyewitness account in the lifetime of these eyewitnesses. Okay? These eyewitnesses are still alive, so this can be tested and verified. Um, it's just one of the evidences. Again, I said we're not going to do an entire sermon on evidence for the resurrection, but I just wanted to share that one because I like it, and I have the microphone, so I get to. Let's go back to chapter 24. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has ri risen. 
Remember how he told you while he was still alive in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the leaven and to all the rest. He's not here. He is risen. So the story of Jesus in this nutshell is that he comes, lives this life without sin, he declares, he says, look, I'm going to die. I'm going to be turned over. I'm going to be crucified. His disciples say, no, 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 that can never happen. That shouldn't happen to you. No, that's not going to happen. We're not going to let it happen. We'll start cutting off ears and doing whatever it takes to keep it from happening, right? No, it's going to happen because Jesus says it's going to happen. He lays down his life. And then just as he said, even though they didn't remember or recall or believe that it would happen, he indeed rises again. And they go to check on his dead body. They're looking for his dead body. And it's not there. Because the living is not among the dead. And Jesus is risen. He is risen. He's alive. Now, if Jesus is alive, if Jesus is risen, I want to just talk about four Four things this means if Jesus is risen. And, and maybe you're here and you're like, I don't believe he's alive at all. That's okay. Let's just think about what it would mean if he is alive. Okay? Let's think about what it would mean if he is alive. If Jesus is alive, then this story, this story of the Bible, is then absolutely true. All of it, from Genesis to Revelation. And you know, there's parts of it that people are like, I don't know if that part, I have a trouble I have trouble believing the like Jonah swallowed, swallowed by a big fish thing, right? Well, here's the problem with that. If Jesus is alive and if Jesus rose, then Jesus is someone who is honest and tells the truth and is really God and can really defeat sin, Satan, death. And Jesus actually believed in the story of Jonah. He actually says that that story happened and actually was a foreshadowing, a prophetic picture of him. Saying, you remember that story, Jonah, when he gets swallowed up by a well for three days and then got spit out on the land to go and save and rescue a bunch of sinner, sinner Ninevites that hated God? Well, guess what? I'll get swallowed up by the grave, an even greater well, and three days later will be spit out to rescue all of my enemies, anyone that would turn and trust me. It says, not only is that story true, it points to me. If Jesus is alive, if he defeated death, if that grave is empty, if he is risen, then the story of the Bible, all of it from Genesis to Revelation, is true. We can trust that it is true. We can trust that it is God's word. And not only is it true, but it is the big story. Not only is it true, then it, it is the most important story in all of human history, and it is the most important story that you will have to decide whether you believe it's true or not. And if you believe it's true, then it is the story that then defines your life. If Jesus is alive, if he did rise, then this is the most important story in your life. It is the story that then defines you. What you believe about what is true or what not true can change and transform you. I'll tell you, I was going through a rough time of life, uh, I guess about five or so years ago, um, and I was in a pretty emotionally unhealthy relationship, um, close to probably emotionally abusive relationship, and I had a friend um, that was emotionally unhealthy and emotionally abusive, so not a very good friend, um, 
but at the time I didn't know it. And very subtly, he was just always subtly telling me how I was a failure, how things that were falling apart were all my fault. And it was just like little drops after a while, just drop after drop after drop of you're a failure, you're screwing this up, everything that's going wrong is your fault. And I'd be like, gosh, I'm sorry, man, stuff is my fault. And and man, I am a big failure. And after a while, just hearing it drip, 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 after a couple years of, of being in close relationship with this person, it really affected the story I was living in. I started to live in this story where I was just this broken failure. And I was feeling so discouraged and so down and so confused. And this became the story I was living in. And after coming out of that relationship and finding out that it was emotionally unhealthy and emotionally abusive and cutting the relationship off and creating boundaries and beginning to then re-figure out who I actually am and who God has made me to be. Um, and I, I had some counseling to help me through it. And um, I remember in that time reading this story, and I don't know if you've ever heard this, but it's about the chicken eagle. Anyone ever heard the chicken eagle story? All right, buckle up. It's a little Christmas story about the chicken eagle. This is a story about an eagle whose egg fell off the nest and rolled down and was discovered by some chickens. And the chickens, they just kind of, you know, took the egg into their nest and, 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 and they warmed it and incubated it. And bah, this eagle popped out of this chicken nest and this eagle was raised by chickens. And so the eagle, big, you know, wings and majestic looking, just plucked around with the chickens, you know, getting the chicken feed. Instead of, it would, it would try to go, you know, do an eagle noise, but it just came out like, like it didn't know what noises to make, and it just pecked about. And one day the eagle was out and in its chicken coop and pecking around with the other chickens and looked up, and it just saw this eagle soaring, and it thought, oh man, I wish I was an eagle. I wish I could soar. I wish I could fly. I wish I had talons like that. And then just went back to pecking. It was just like, no, I'm, but I'm a chicken, right? And so I just went back. And every once in a while, I'd see that eagle soaring over and just think, oh, if only I could fly. And it might hop up and imagine itself flying, flap the wings a couple times like chickens do, and then just kind of fell back to the ground. Until one day, one day, Someone saw this chicken looking up at the eagle and going, oh, I wish I was that eagle. And the chick, one of its chicken buddies was like, you know, you are an eagle. And it was like, wait, what? Yeah, you fell out of an eagle's nest. We raised you. You are an eagle. And it was like, what? Yeah, you ever notice that you're like way bigger than us and sometimes want to eat us? Like, that's because you're an eagle, you know? And the eagle realizes that he's an eagle and, and takes off and soars and flies. And I had read that when I was going through this and realized, like, I'd been, been being told I was this failure when um, that wasn't who God saw me as. I was living as this chicken when God created me to soar. He was creating me for other things. He still calling and purpose for my life. The story of this, this true story, the, the story you're living in, the story you're living in contributes so much to your emotions. It contributes so much to your calling it contributes so much to who you see yourself as, what you believe you can do, if you believe you're loved or unloved, if you believe 
um, that you don't fit in or you do fit in. If this story is true, if Jesus is alive, then he invites you into his family. You get to be part of God's royal family. You get to be a part of the kingdom of heaven. It means you're beloved. This is a story where you have infinite value because you've been purchased by an infinite price, the price of Christ's own blood. If this story is true, then this must become the story that defines your life, that defines your purpose, that defines your calling. If this story is true, then God has great promises for you. God has a great purpose for you. And God has created you, knitted you, and known you from the time you were in your mother's womb. If this story is true, then it is good news for you. And it must become the primary story that you are living in. It's a bigger story than the family you were born in. It's the bigger story than what your job is. It's a bigger story than your bank account or what career or degree or degree you did not get. It's bigger than all of those stories. This is the story that you get to live out of and gets to define you if Jesus indeed has risen, and I believe he has. Number two, if this story is true, Jesus says this, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He told this to his disciples. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Then he's crucified and for three days he's dead. And they're thinking, no, he left us. He's gone. We feel forsaken. But if this story is true, then he rose again three days later and he came back to his disciples and sent them out saying, go make disciples. Go tell people about me. Go let people know that I love them. Go help people follow me. And guess what? I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. If this story is true, then Jesus is with us. Right here, right now. If this story is true, then we have companionship with the creator God. We can have a relationship with the maker of heaven and earth. If this story is true, then prayer isn't just blind petitions, but it is conversation with the creator. Conversation with our savior. Conversation with the hero from heaven. If this story is true, then he is with us and we have his presence always, even to the end of the age. And that is good news. For those of you that are struggling with loneliness, struggling with feelings of isolation, this is good news that Jesus is with you. Jesus is present. If he's alive, then we can have a relationship with him. If he is risen, then he's with us always, even to the end of the age. If this is true, then he is worthy of all glory. And our lives now have a new purpose. And this purpose is to live for his glory. And this is a relief because we spend so much of our time, so much of our energy, so much of our thoughts living for our own glory. How do I make my name great? How do I make people think well of me? How do I look today? Does my car match up? Do my clothes match up? Does my job match up? Does my home match up? Does my bank account match up? Do I stack up? Do, what, do people think I'm cool? Do people think I'm funny? Do people think I'm successful? Me, 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 me. We can just stop all that if this is true and become obsessed with what do people think about Jesus? Do they know Jesus? Do they know how rich Jesus is? 
Do you know how successful Jesus is at transforming lives? Do you know how successful he is at forgiveness? Do they know how successful he is at defeating sin, Satan, and death? Do you know how successful he is on helping others overcome lifelong addictions? Do they know Jesus? Do they know his glory? Do they know how generous Jesus is? We don't have to worry about our glory and our name and our fame and our followers and friends and likes. Because our purpose, we now get to live for his glory. If this story is true, then there's only one worthy of all glory. And his name is Jesus. We get to find a new purpose living for him. Number four, if this story is true, if this story is true, then we have a hope for the future. Because if this story is true and he promised that he would be crucified and three days later rise again and he was crucified and then three days later did rise again, then we can trust his other promises that he's going to come back and make all things new, even us. That he's going to come back, the new heavens and the new earth, and we'll live in a new glorified earth that will have no curse. Think of how wonderful and beautiful and glorious God's earth and planet is and now remove the curse from it. And it will get renewed, glorified bodies. Our bodies with no sickness, no pain, no aches, no disease or illness. We get new, glorified, heavenly bodies. And that gives us hope for the future. If this story is true, then we get to be a people filled with hope. And having hope is fun. I have four kids. And once Christmas time is coming... Like they have all their like calendars, advent calendar. Like they are counting down. Like every day is filled with so much hope for the future. You know, it's like Christmas is coming. Like Jay, how many days till Christmas? How many sleeps? Two sleeps till Christmas Eve, right? Three sleeps till Christmas Day. Like they're counting it down because they can't wait. Like we're going to have Christmas and we'll have good food and we'll hang out with our family and cousins and we're going to open presents and Christmas is going to be here. Like there's just, you're just living with this hope. And living with hope is, is fun. Think about times where you've been like, can't wait for something to happen. Like the World Cup just ended. I'm a big World Cup fan. I don't know if there's other, like it's only once every four years. That's one of my happiest times every four years is like when the World Cup happens. I'm just like, yes, it's finally here. And just watching lots and lots of soccer. Um, in like, I was so happy like the week before the World Cup because I'm like, it's just like a week away. You know, it's just like, and every day is filled with so much meaning and purpose because I get to wake up and watch a World Cup game. I'm like, I wake up and I'm like, there's a game to watch today. I just have, I can't, I, I'm filled with so much hope. I can't wait to watch, you know, Argentina play Mexico. It's just going to be amazing. And if this story is true, imagine how much hope we get to have. Just the anticipation. It should make kids' anticipation for Christmas look like nothing. If we really believe this story, if we really knew that Jesus is risen and is alive and that we had this to hope for, like anytime you'd be watching the news, you could actually watch it. Instead of watching the news and getting all depressed, like how many of you like read the news, watch the news, see the news going through your Twitter feed and after you're just kind of like, oh man, like that was a lot to take in. Imagine watching the go and going, 
oh man, that was a lot to take in. But can you believe that none, that like we won't have to deal with any of that someday? Like the wars will be wiped away. The famines will be wiped away. The corruption will be wiped away. The propaganda will be wiped away. And Jesus will rule forever and ever. And things will be perfect forever and ever. Like, do we really believe that? Because if we do, that's amazing. Like, that's amazing. That's incredible. That's something, that's amazing that that, that could be true. No sickness, no pain, no death, no lies, no accusations, no evil greed, no, just, just Jesus ruling and reigning with his perfect love and perfect forgiveness and perfect presence for all time. We should be a people filled with the utmost hope if this story is true. Before I close this, I want to hear from you guys, just a couple. What else? If this story is true, what else would that mean? What's it mean for us as the church? What's it mean for you? If Jesus is alive, if he's risen, what else is true? No fear of death. You do not have to be afraid of death. Paul, one of the guys we talked about earlier, had this saying where he says, to, to live is Christ, to die is gain. And when you're like, just Michael and I are actually talking about this in a walk the other day, where we're like, both of us, I think within the same week or so, like had the thought of like, oh man, if I died, oh, that would be awesome, right? Like he had just gone to a, a memorial and was like, whoa, that was just, that memorial was great. And I was just thinking, man, if I could die, right? And I was like, oh, I was just thinking that too. I was literally just thinking the other day, man, if I died, that'd be, I was like, yeah. but I want to stay here for my family and my kids and my friends. Like I would miss them to live as Christ, to live for Christ and to love these people, but to die and just be with Jesus and just like all the pain, suffering, sorrow, doubt, it's gone. Yeah, we don't have to fear death at all. That's just going to be great. What else? If this is true, what else? Yes. Yes, the power of the Spirit of God in our life and in the church. God with us and his power in and amongst us. We don't have to fear the darkness because the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Oftentimes we're scared to serve in certain areas because we're like, oh man, that's, that's scary. Not realizing though, if the power of God is with us, like the, the enemy trembles at the resurrection power of Jesus. And we have that resurrection power in us and with us. Good. What else? Maybe one or two more. If this, if this is true. If this is true, what would it mean? We have the joy of the Lord. Yes. We can have utmost joy. So many things to be joyful for. We can look back at what God has done and have joy. We can think about God's present with us in presently, what he's doing presently, that he's at work right now and we can have joy. And we can look forward and have joy. Every reason to have joy if this is true. What else? Yes. There you go. Even if the resurrection isn't true, I can show you more heavenly things than Taco Bell. But, <laughs> but there are big Taco Bell fans out there. My sister's actually one of them. 
Maybe one more. Yes, if this is true, then we are forgiven. All your sins, forgiveness. Forgiveness is an amazing feeling, right? Have you ever been forgiven for something major? Like, asked someone forgiveness, broke something, like, it felt like, have you ever been pulled over when you're totally just like, knew you're speeding, and you're like, here comes the big ticket, and then not gotten the ticket? It's like the best feeling ever. Like, I, I had that happen a couple years ago. I remember I was just like, Oh, hyper speeding in a rental car, like late at night, we were in, <clears throat> got pulled over. I'm like, oh, we are screwed. I was looking at my buddy. I'm like, I was speeding, like, I don't even know how fast I was going. And because um, we were in the middle of nowhere in Colorado late at night to go to this conference. And so you're just in the middle of nowhere. I was just flying. And the rental car had way more power than anything I drive. I always drive cheap cars. Uh, and he's like, uh, did you know how much you're going over? Uh, like a lot. Like, you know what the speed limit is? Guessing it wasn't 90-ish, you know. <laughs> and then at the end of it, he's just like, what are you in town for? We're headed to this and that. And he goes, all right, well, you know, the speed limit here was actually 45. Um, I'm going to let you off with a warning. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> right? And he like laughed. I'm like going 45, looking at my buddy. And we're like, is this a prank? Like, is he going to re-pull me over? Like, and as soon as it like sunk in, well, I was just like, yes, whoa, man, we're not getting like, yay, don't have to go to driver school or walk there the rest of the way or something. Like, this is good news. Like, and we are forgiven. Like, we sinned against the creator God. We're like so busted. <laughs> and you're just, we get forgiveness. Amazing. Amazing. Anyone else? Yes. Yes. If this is true, then the greatest enemy was defeated. Yep. And Satan has already been defeated. Good. Yes. What? Yes. If this is true, then we have purpose. To share the truthness of this story with our lives, with our words, with our actions. Good. Verse 12, well, let me go to 10. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tell and they did not believe them. These words seemed to them an idle tell and they did not believe them. This feels like it's too good to be true. It feels like it's too good to be true. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. It seems too good to be true, but once you look deeper, once you look to yourself, look into the scriptures, pray and ask God, if you're real, show me that this is true. Wrestle with your leaders here at Thrive. Yeah, I don't, I want to believe this is true. Is it? Explore it. Look into it. It seemed to them like an idle tale. It seemed too good to be true. But Peter went, he ran, and he searched to see if it was true. And once he saw it was true, he marveled at it. I encourage you, if you're starting to, if you believe this before, but you're not living in it, look into it deeper. Meditate on the resurrection. Stare at the empty tomb. And marvel, marvel that this is indeed true. And all the good things that come with it are true as well. 
because Jesus has risen. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much that you didn't leave us here in our sin, but you came for that first Christmas morning, became a human, put on flesh, lived our life, died our death. And Jesus, you rose again. You didn't stay in that tomb. You defeated sin, Satan, and death. And you rose on that very first Easter morning. Jesus, help us to be men and women that believe and marvel at the empty tomb because you are indeed alive. And so we get all the riches and spoils of your resurrection. Let us enjoy them. Let us not forget them. Let us not waste them. But let us richly with joy and hope and wonder marvel at the manger and marvel at the empty tomb. In Jesus' name, amen.